Welcome to the Living Leadership Podcast. Equipping leaders to live in Christ joyfully and serve Him faithfully. Welcome to the Living Leadership Podcast. I'm Marcus Honeysett. This is the second of two related podcasts. In the last episode, we focused on resilience and pressure, and in this one I'm going to talk about rest in Christian work. We finished last time with some questions about what causes us to overextend in ministries, how our diaries can be our best friends or our worst enemies when it comes to nurturing our joy in Jesus, and practically what encouragement we might need and like to help us to lean into him. In this episode, I want to ask how we can build Sabbath into our lives. Sabbath and whether New Covenant believers should observe it is a subject that divides opinion among Christians. I don't want to get hung up on that. I hope that we can at least agree that having holy margins in our lives for the sake of our the Lord, of our hearts, and for the sake of the church and wisdom and prayerfulness and worship and family, that's important and also that it's a struggle for many leaders. Let's start with some words from Nehemiah 8. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Scripture being explained, holy repentance followed by joy, celebratory worship in the presence of the Lord, feasting with generosity, enjoying God because the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is the strength for the life of discipleship and leadership. Experiencing the joy of the Lord in our hearts is the starting point and the sustaining power for discipleship and leadership. Disciples are people who are pursuing happiness in God. We are the followers of the most happy and glorious one, Everything by way of growth as a Christian starts there. Our desire to know him, our will to obey him, our adoration, our evangelism, that's commending the one we adore to people, our following, our doing what Jesus says, our being changed and transformed by the gospel. It all starts there, being happy in God. And it's actually all aimed there too. The point of the universe is worship. The point of evangelism is gathering worshippers who turn their back on idols and who are set free to delight in, glorify and give thanks to the living God. Worshipless disciples is a contradiction in terms. That's why the Apostle Paul can say that he wants to work with churches for their progress in the faith and their joy in God so that they glory abundantly in Christ Jesus. That's at the end of Philippians 1. That's the aim of biblical spiritual leadership, all the disciples overflowing with joy in Jesus and glorying abundantly in him. We're after people who are captivated 
and therefore who are compelled and impelled by the love of God shed abroad in our hearts and our delight in his glory. So here's my contention for this episode. If we as leaders don't give attention to our life and doctrine so that joy in God is at the centre of our leadership ministry, we can't do the job. We are workers with others for their joy. And if this is not reflected in our inner life, and if our joy disappears, then our ability to do the work of ministry is fatally compromised, because it's dependent upon us being spiritually alive and spiritually lively. If we want to minister God's grace and lead out of God's grace, then we have to be recipients of it. Especially in these difficult days of the global pandemic, refreshing ourselves in the love of God for the period ahead is essential. The first rule of leadership is surely that you've got to be alive. Dead leaders don't lead things. So the question of how we're doing in our hearts, whether, whether we're gripped and thrilled by God's grace, whether we're opening his book for amazement and delight, whether we're being driven to our knees in wonder is really crucial for leadership. There's an indelible link between effective leadership for God and enjoying him, being encouraged in him. No joy, no good discipleship or leadership. This is an issue that I completely ignored for far too long, the issue of rest. You see, I thought I was the exception to the burnout rule, but I wasn't. There are no exceptions to the burnout rule. Everybody runs dry eventually. Theologically, I believe we're not under the law of Moses, and I believe that Sabbath is all about knowing Jesus. But then I threw the baby out with the bathwater, and for many years I used that as an excuse to not have consistent rhythms for drawing from the wells of salvation. Anyway, Sabbath wasn't given in the law, it was a gift in creation. Secretly, I was also a bit afraid that Sabbath easily just becomes a list of things not to do one day a week in order to make it really boring and to kill my joy. But you know, that's what the Pharisees did. And Jesus said it was the opposite of why God made the Sabbath. Sabbath is made for man. It's a gift for our well-being, a, a day of freedom, a gracious gift from God in creation for enjoyment of God and creation. It's a day for joy and being renewed. It's possible to neglect Bible reading and prayer for the same reason, because we let them get dull and boring and then assume that the problem is with the Bible and with praying. But if you look at the best examples in the Bible, like in Nehemiah 8, yeah, not the ones where it's all joyless legalism, then what do you find? You find people deliberately stopping, basking in God, worshipping, enjoying grace, slowing down to rest and relax and embracing God's goodness and applying it to life, often with feasting and celebration. Sabbath was designed by God as a diary pattern for living in joy. If we neglect what God built into creation for our joy, then we shouldn't be surprised if over time our joy disappears. Life often comes at us frantically hard and fast, can be full, stretched, often anxious. In addition to having more things that we want to do or that other people want us to do than we can do, 
There's also a temptation among Christian workers to major on all the really active bits of the Bible or the really active bits in the stories of our missionary heroes or our role models and brush over the bits about rest. Just to give one example, in John 4, I tend to get excited when Jesus witnesses to the woman at the well and then the conversion of the Samaritan villagers. But I don't think I've ever preached a sermon on verse 6 of John 4. Jesus was tired from the journey, or verse 8, the disciples had gone into town to buy food because they were hungry. Or take Mark 4, I've, I've heard, I've preached messages about Jesus calming the storm, but never really majored on the fact that he was asleep in the back of the boat, clearly exhausted and needing to rest. I could go on. The bits with Jesus drawing away by himself or with his disciples to pray in lonely places, even when people were clamouring for more of him. Or bits about them walking along the road, or Paul maybe in Acts 27 and 28 suggesting wintering in Crete and eventually doing so in Malta. Of wintering? Surely he means evangelising. Wintering doesn't sound very active. We can actively misread bits of the Bible through activist lenses. Acts 6 is a common one. People in Christian work very commonly read Acts 6 to say, let's appoint people full of wisdom so that we can give attention to ministry of the word and prayer. And that's wrong. It's not what it says. It actually says so that we can give attention to prayer and ministry of the word. You see how easy it is to prioritise the visible public one the one that looks like it's getting results, and to downplay the invisible spiritual part. Then I can let it adjust my Bible reading. It's very easy to get on a hamster wheel in life in general, and Christian ministry in particular, and then to justify it by looking at all the bits of the Bible which emphasise activity, and to be applauded by others for living life to the max, when inside we secretly know we don't have much delight in God. I think a problem for many today, and for many Christian workers, is that we don't know what rest for our souls means, or how to come to Jesus to give our souls rest. And yet Jesus says that God made the Sabbath for people. In Genesis 2.2, God finished his work of creation and rested from all his work, having separated all kinds of other things, light and dark, and water and land, and earth and sky, now separates work and rest. And he blessed the seventh day and made it holy. That's the first rest, and also the first time anything is described as holy. The other days are good or very good, but the rest day is holy. It's gloriously wonderful, it's set apart, and full of the life of God. I wonder why do you think God rested? It wasn't because he was tired. No, it was because joy in God and in his holy beauty is the goal of creation. God rested in order to enjoy God. And in resting, he created a rhythm for us to enjoy him too. The rest on the seventh day was the end of his work in creation. But seeing as we were made on the sixth day, it was our first experience in the world. He gave the man and the woman enjoyable, fruitful work to do, but they did this first, and they did it regularly. Rest wasn't given just for them to collapse after doing a lot of things. 
rest and enjoying God was the place that they went out from to work. It came first. And he was setting a pattern for us of dividing work from rest, giving permission and invitation to be restored and revived in a consistent, regular way. A regular way to recenter on him and a vehicle to deliver grace, goodness and joy into our lives. Leaders for whom all the joy in God has disappeared, for whatever reason, are dead. If the internal delight is gone, then so has our ability to do our ministry job, because it depends on being spiritually alive. Perhaps the scary thing is that we can mask and hide it so easily. I can preach a sermon if my heart isn't in it, nobody will know. God is very gracious and uses very flawed people, but spiritually compelling ministry rarely comes out of spiritual exhaustion for very long. I've set myself up a little green screen in my study for doing some videoing and some broadcasts on Zoom during this Covid period. What you can't see behind the green screen is that the study is a terrible mess and is full of piles of laundry. Woe betide me if I curate my public image in the same way, looking good on the outside but with a green screen so that nobody can see that I'm spiritually exhausted and spiritually dead inside. So self-care, loving yourself, is about having an inner life, and I might add a home life too, that is adequate to our outer life in leadership, for our inputs to exceed our outputs, for our access to wise counsel to be in line with the demands that others make on us for wisdom. And the main issue at stake is our joy, glorying abundantly in Christ Jesus. What brings joy? What damages it? And what patterns recreate and restore it? God creating the seventh day shows that rest is indispensable for joy, and therefore for growth as a Christian, and therefore for doing Christian work. God intends that our receiving from him should be greater than our giving out for him. The excess is spiritual healthiness. If our giving out is greater than our receiving, the excess is spiritual drain. Peter Scazzaro, in his excellent book, The Emotionally Healthy Leader, makes the point that most leaders agree with these kinds of things, but most don't actually put them into practice. He suggests that underlying that inability is fear. Fear that stopping and taking stock will reveal that we have been building on shaky spiritual foundations. A friend of mine took that observation one step further pointing out that Christian workers can always use the doing of more ministry as the perfect excuse for not stopping and taking stock. There's always more ministry that can be done, and that we will be affirmed for doing. It's possible to get into ministry patterns that discourage healthy spiritual living, be afraid of trying to change them, and do more of it as a way to avoid confronting it. We can get on a toxic ministry hamster wheel perhaps even justifying it with a martyr complex. If I don't burn out, that's lazily unfaithful to God. If I don't burn out, people might not hear the gospel. Or if I don't burn out, the burden will simply fall to other team members and they're just going to get even more pressured if I do any less. I really wish that early in my ministry, I hadn't established patterns of frenetic activity at the expense of my spiritual life, but rather healthy levels 
and a healthy cultivating of my inner life with God. It's critical to be proactive in this, to be building care for our hearts and dealing with factors that drain. Not reactive and certainly not inactive, because then you never get off the hamster wheel. We might long for others to help us and to come and do these things for us, but they probably won't. We probably need to take responsibility for it ourselves. Wonder what feeds your joy in God? What patterns help you draw satisfying water from the wells of salvation? Nobody ever thrives in life or spiritual life or Christian work with no margins. Holy stopping is not normal to our Western mindset. We think it's unproductive. We think people will judge us if we have nothing to show for our time. But if we run at 100% all the time, we don't have anything left in our fuel tank. No energy, no discretionary time, no spiritual capacity. Margins give the ability to react to unexpected challenges or opportunities. Just like Jesus at the well in John 4, he was relaxing, and then at, at their request chose to spend another two days there at no notice. He had the space. We get spiritual margins in our lives by finding patterns and rhythms that re-centre Jesus in the middle of life. And those patterns and habits are delivery mechanisms for God's love. In our busy world, I think it's crucial to plan for this. Planning to rest sounds a bit odd, but it shows you value it. Otherwise, we neglect what God says about our needs as his creatures. So how can we plan for physical, spiritual freshness? I believe the answer lies in uh, careful planning done long enough in advance for it to actually work. Good intentions are one thing, but people fail at diets and New Year resolutions all the time. What we need are planning and systems that actually deliver. Here are a few questions that might help you crystallise what you need in order to deliver ministry refreshment for you. What large responsibilities do you have to carry out? What time do you allocate to them and how will you ensure that they remain within that allocation rather than overflowing the boundaries? How would you rate your long-term energy levels and your spiritual vitality? If you're married, how would your spouse answer that question? Are there any signs that you're approaching a place of exhaustion or unhealthiness? What are the canary in the mine indicators that you have moved into the danger zone? What factors in your life and ministry are most likely to squeeze out the invisible centre of your walk with God? What mix of leisure, Sabbath, spiritual input, community, solitude and friends do you need for your replenishment? How early do you need to make strong diary commitments to ensure that you actually have a chance of getting these things into reality? And who could talk to you and help you with these things? Christian ministers need to be the most spiritually alive kinds of people. Not giving attention to these things is a main driver of ministry failure. But they can be hard to give attention to, at least partly because we're afraid of what we will discover if we do. Will we have to admit that our culture is unhealthy, that we don't prioritise prayer? Will we find that we no changes need to be made, but that we simply don't know how to make them? Will we discover that we have built spiritually on shaky foundations?
That's scary. The temptation is to brush it under the carpet and soldier on to avoid what you might discover. It looks so holy when we do it, it's highly socially validated. The thing that leads us into unsustainability is a thing we use to avoid having to stop and reassess. It is a recipe for constant, highly applauded appearance of overwork with no margins, and it always comes at the expense of vibrant spiritual life and godly rest and play. But you get positive reinforcement for existing in that debilitated state. You feel that you're letting the side down if you take positive steps to get out of it. Maybe one thing you would like to do after listening to this broadcast is to take time to pray over your diary and then to practically start blocking out what a healthy, invigorating, spiritual life could look like for you. Your diary can be your chief friend or foe. If you don't harness it for healthy habits, it will be harnessed as a tool of attrition. So let me finish by asking, what does God want you to do in your lifestyle to cultivate rest to the glory of God? How can you best maintain a weekly pattern of godly rest? What changes do you anticipate would be necessary? And what would stop you making them? Well, thank you for listening. I hope there's something that I've said that will help you minister more fully out of the joy of the Lord in the days ahead. Once again, you can find us at www.livingleadership.org and I encourage you to share this podcast with ministry friends and colleagues. Thank you for listening to the Living Leadership Podcast. We hope what you've heard today spurs you on in your walk with the Lord. If you're encouraged by today's episode, consider sharing it with a friend or colleague or leaving a review on your podcast app to help others find us. If you'd like to engage further with us on anything you've heard today, we'd love to hear from you. You'll find us on any major social media platform, at Living Leaders, or visit our website, www.livingleadership.org, where you'll also find more support and resources to help you live in Christ joyfully and serve Him faithfully. God bless.